journey. Would you guys stand on your feet as we uh, begin our worship together this morning?
Good morning. I have the honor and privilege to talk to you guys about communion this morning. It's the first week of the month, and we always like to celebrate and kick it off by celebrating communion together. I want to read to you from Isaiah 53, 5 today. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I got to spend a week in Seattle at a summer camp this last week, uh, and Bianca and I got to minister to some kids and, and just hang out, and one of the, the days they set up one-on-ones uh, where the students could meet with us during their free time if they wanted to, and I honestly thought, like, you know teenagers, I'm like, nobody's going to be signing up. I'm going to be sitting out at a table all day by myself. But what ended up happening that surprised me was kids actually showed up. And beyond that, the few things, as Bianca and I talked about it afterwards, that really intrigued me was the first thing is, one, how loving these young people were. Just so loving and kind. But the second thing was this, that it shocked me how many of them already, even though they were only junior high and high school, had already accumulated so much shame. So much emptiness, so much hurt whether it was caused by them or, or their families or things that had happened to them. Um, as I stand here today, what we do is a, a reminder. You see, what you didn't show up with today is an animal to sacrifice. I want you to think about this. In, in the religious system before Jesus, what was normal is for you to be able to be in contact with God. Y'all, we would not be worshiping and singing to God because there would be a clear connect or disconnect between us and God because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because of all the things in the way. We would have been showing up. Y'all would have come with animals today, and we would have one at a time made sacrifices on behalf of our brokenness. Crazy. Especially in an age today where we care more about our animals than we do about people. Y'all you'd, you'd, would come with human sacrifices before you'd come with animal sacrifices, have you? The reality is this, though. This was done. I love the way that Isaiah says this. He, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. There was a sacrificial lamb that took the final punishment for all of our brokenness. So whether you come in ashamed today, can I tell you, lift your head up. Lift your head up. There's no shame here. It was taken on the cross. You come in hurt today, lay before his feet. And let me encourage you through the, throughout the next two songs, you have an opportunity, find one of the four stations, grab the elements, bring them back. And can I encourage you to sit in this? What does this mean? What does this mean for us that you didn't have to bring an animal to sacrifice on behalf of our brokenness just so we could have connection with God? He did it. The other thing that means is that you don't have to twist God's arm to get his attention today. Somebody doesn't make that big of a sacrifice and then become disinterested in that investment. How many of you know? Anybody made a big investment? Tell me that you don't pay very close attention to whatever that investment is. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's the stock market. 
whatever it is, we pay attention to the things that we invest in and God has invested in us when he sacrificed his son's blood. So this is a moment that should impact our worship. It should cause us not to, to hide, to fear, but to stand in awe as we worship. To come before God and just to be completely amazed that he saw fit to do this so that we could be connected to him. Let's pray. Jesus, you did this. You took the sacrifice. By your wounds, we are healed today. God, I pray that those who come walking in just heavy, those who do not, or on the other side, those who may not feel the, any weight when it comes to going through the motions of, of taking communion. Father, I pray that we would remember today what has shifted, what has changed so that we don't have to make sacrifices anymore. We can come before you confidently and boldly with gratitude for what you've done. Be glorified as we observe this precious moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's continue our worship. But hey. 
Cause I know that's where you'll be Count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Count the joy from every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be Good morning, Journey Church. I hope you guys are doing well. Why don't you do me a favor and take a seat? My name is Chase, and I get the privilege of chatting with you guys for a couple seconds. Can you hear me? Check, check, check. How many of us have birthdays in the summer? There are a ton of us. For some people, that's overwhelming, because if you have to remember all of those, it's not happening. But thankfully, we have something called Facebook that tells us exactly when people are having birthdays. And you don't even have to write them a note. You don't even have to type. You can just click a button, and it sends them a happy birthday. How crazy is that? Pretty awesome. But I think some of the times, it's funny with birthdays. Like, maybe we had a friend that we met one time at college, you know, and had one class with for one semester. But yet, we have them on Facebook, and we give them, like, a happy birthday. But then we have those people in our lives that are kind of around, and there's like expectations, which is funny. We had this, uh, this summer, we had a, a proposal party. What is that called? Engagement party, there we go. Do you bring presents to an engagement party? Does anybody know? I don't know, honestly. I have no clue what the expectation is. And some of the time, I think we come to church and we're curious, what is the expectation of me? When it comes to tithing or giving, it's like, what is the expectation? Is it $5? Is it 10 Is it no one's looking? Cool, keep my money. You know, like, honestly, I think we have this question that kind of happens. I think the cool thing about this is, and something that, like, made sense when I was preparing for this, is those people in your life that mean something to you, that have a place in your heart, we don't ask what is the standard, right? Because all, all that means, like, when you go... <laughs> and you tip at a restaurant, they now give you the percentages at the bottom of your receipt so you know what the standard is. We don't have to ask that question because that's just a question of saying, how little can I give and it still be acceptable? That's what that means. But the people close to us, we're wondering, how do I bless this person? How do I place value on this person? How do I show that I care and am concerned about this person and their well-being? I think if we could bring that mentality into church and in our giving, that would change everything. It's not about like, oh, how much do I have to give? Oh, what is the basic standard that I can get away with? It's how do I fund this thing? How do I make margin in my, my bank account, in my time, in order to make sure this thing goes forward? Because it means something to me. It has a place in my heart. And so today, that's the goal. That's the standard. If you're a guest here, thank you for sitting here and listening. You do not have to give. There is zero expectation of you. If this is your home, there's a big expectation. I'm just kidding. There's, you can do whatever you want with your money. We'll still love you and accept you. But as the ushers come forward, I'm going to pray over us. Thank you, God, so much for today. I thank you for that beautiful new song we sang today. And I thank you for the generous hearts of this church that people are coming in saying, how do I fund the movement of the living God? How do I be a part of the bigger picture? How do I put my money where my mouth is and make sure that this thing goes forward. So I thank you for life change. I thank you for the freedom that you have in store for today and for our last message of this beautiful series. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys help me in welcoming Miss Bianca to the stage. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good. 
so much more energy than Just so first. you know, my birthday's in March, and I have big expectations. <laughs> I love presents. She's not lying. She I love loves parties. Them. Not proposal parties. Don't know what that is. You but. have a birthday <laughs> month, I'm pretty sure. This girl doesn't just like birthday. She needs a birth birthday month. month. I mean, most people is do that. Is that a thing? That's I don't a, think so. It's a big thing. Check on Facebook. Um, if this is your first time here to Journey Church, we're so excited that you're here. If this is not your first time, we're equally as excited that you're here as well. For fifth and sixth graders, this is your time to be dismissed. Go on, go on over to your class. I think they might have food for them. Maybe. Oh, I want to go over there. <laughs> anyway. Um, also, if you have little ones that are, get a little fussy during service, or if you have big ones like your spouse that gets fussy, there's actually a little cry room out there, and you can head on over. Um, we cannot hear anything that's going on in there, but you can hear everything going on out here. Beautiful. Also, how good was that last song? Did everybody love it? So oh. I loved it. I got so excited. Chase, every single time, is like, is this the end of it? Is this the end of the song? Learn music, man. All right. <laughs> I'm working on it. It takes time. Give me a break. And he tried to make eye contact. He's like, is this, is this the end? There's like, that, like, oh, my God, <laughs> yes. the sinking feeling in your soul you when laugh, you know, but like, if you some, were in the same oh, place, you would be I can't be doing wait the for thing. those that just laughed. I'm yeah. marking your names down, and I'm signing yeah. you up for time. We're putting message, weird transition so songs for you You're going to come feel up that for. feeling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, um, great song. We love it. But we're also excited about a lot of things going on at church. This Wednesday, we kick off our Connect Night. Finally. It's like... I call Fine. it a connect night, but it's actually like a family connect weekly thing that we're doing. Um, so many names, I don't know what we're deciding to call it. But actually, we usually have a connect night on Tuesday nights, the first Tuesday night of every month. So we are going to switch things up. This Wednesday will be like a connect night, but after that, every Wednesday will be a totally Unique. different thing, something that we haven't Absolutely. done before. And if you are a family, you don't have to get any babysitters or anything because we have a kids program that's going to go on. And, and we have the youth, the youth program. program. The crash so will be everybody. 6.30 or 6 o'clock to 6.30 will be our hangs and will be next door. If you don't know where next door is, just come find one of us or go to the hotspot. We'll show you. But it's going to be awesome. And then the program awesome. goes the same as the adults do so we can all finish together. Yeah. It's going to be so it's cool. It's going to be so cool. So this is where the adults are going to be meeting. This week, the kids are going to be having a water night. So they can show up in their bathing suits. They're going to have all kinds of fun water Bring games towels. outside. Yep. Adults, if you want to show up in your bathing suit, that'd be fine, but you're not going to be <laughs> doing any water games, so it'd be kind of weird. But you're going to be in here, and it's going to be like a connect event. So we're going to get to know each other, kind of have some conversations, laugh, and eat food. It's great. And then youth will be going on at the other building. This is going to be an every week event. It's going to be kind of like a midweek service, and we're really excited to kick this off, give space in our church to connect with each other and connect deeper with God. It's going to be amazing, so make sure you make it out. Also, where's all my ladies? I see you, even if you don't want to make a noise. Um, we have women's retreat coming up this October. It's October 4th through the 6th. Last year we had it. It's going to be at the Oaks, the Oaks in Lake Hughes. So it's not too far. Moms, if you have little ones, you're not going to be that far from them in case you need to come back. It was such a great time to get together as women of the house and just really talk about the issues that nobody really wants to talk about, but we need to talk about. 
because we like to talk, obviously. Um, the total is 260 and today the $100 is de deposit is due. If you need help with it, please come see us. It's gonna, any information you have on it is gonna be out at the hotspot. So just go out those doors and go to the right. Please chat with somebody. If this is something that you wanna do, it's gonna be a great time for the ladies of our house. Yes, don't let money be an obstacle. We will find, we have sponsors, we have yeah. all kinds of options. So if you would like to go there, just go get information and yeah. take your next step. And then if money is an issue, just chat with us and we'll help you out. I think the last thing is, if you are a guest, we yes. love having you guys here. Right outside these doors, we have a present for you. So don't leave without getting your present. I don't know what it is. Like a so birthday present. Kind of. So it's a new anniversary present because <laughs> it's your first time here. Awesome. Get it? <laughs> awesome. So this is the last week in our series. It is amazing all about, who is it? Elisha. Uh, I always say Elijah, don't, and I always get it wrong, Elisha. <laughs> so as we get ready, why don't you guys stand up and meet somebody around you? everybody grab a seat as we kick off our Labor Day weekend message hey Labor Day weekend is it great how many of you have tomorrow off so fun enjoy it and I'm so proud of you You came to, to church on Labor Day weekend other people are at the lake or somewhere and you're here meeting with Jesus so proud guys have you ever lost anything important have you have you ever just kind of <clears throat> misplaced something because normally when it's me it's not lost it's it's misplaced. Just this morning, uh, we showed up at church. Uh, Chase and I came together, and as we pulled in seven-ish this morning, there was a whole bunch of cars right in front of the building out here, and they were blocking the road. There were people kind of walking all around right out here outside the building. I'm like, oh, no, what happened? Did we have, was there an accident or something happened? And there were literally cars were all lined up. People were just kind of congregating, walking around, and they were doing this. They were like this with their phones. I'm like, well, it doesn't look like an emergency unless they're all texting 911. I mean, so Chase stops and asks, and somebody lost Pokemon right in front of our building because of her Pokemon Go. Ever heard? No, okay, go look it up. Anyway, I guess he wasn't lost, but he was hiding, so they found him. But have you ever lost something that mattered? Has anybody lost? Like for me, I, I continually lose my wallet. Any other guys? I mean, it's just like, come on, let's be real. This thing it's hard to sit on. And my wife makes fun of me, but I'm like, well, sit on your purse. Come on, see how you like it. You know, because it literally, you're, so, they're packed with all this stuff, but you sit on it, and all of a sudden, you're you know, just painful at first, and then your leg goes numb. And so I typically whip mine out and put it on the seat next to me or somewhere handy so I'll remember it. But then it slides between the seats or usually in the car, and several times what's happened is I put it, you know, like next to me, and then somehow when I'm getting out, it flips out on the ground. I don't notice it in the nighttime, and it's there in the morning, or else somebody else finds it. Thank the Lord for honest people. But I've lost things. But normally it's not lost, it's just misplaced. But have you ever been, some of you, like me, it's, it's almost embarrassing to admit, so I'm going to use an old one so you don't think I've lost my mind recently. But when I was 
Gloria and I were just, you know, starting in life, and we, we had, you know, she was pregnant with Tyler, and it was time for the baby to come due, you know? It was like the fullness of time. And here we were in our little apartment. It was nighttime. He was our first, and we'd never been through it before. And I'd been to all the coaching classes, so I knew the breathing techniques. <laughs> You know, I knew how to coach her, and I knew I was like the important guy in the room because I was doing the coaching, and all of a sudden she was like, it's time. And we'd been watching it over the hours as the labor pains got greater and greater, and she goes, it's time. We need to go. And so I'm running around the apartment grabbing the little bag that you have, the overnight stuff, and the first, you know, the, the first toy that I want to give him when he comes out. <laughs> I don't know why, but the, all that. And I'm on my way out the door, and I'm like, oh, no. And I'm running around looking, and Lori's like, what? What are you looking for? I said, I can't find my glasses. He goes, they're on your face. All right, so maybe it's never happened to you. But I've lost things that I haven't actually lost. I just didn't know where to find them. Now this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw some uh, symbolic connections to the text that we're in as we study this guy, Elisha, in our final week together. I mean, we could go on, but we have to kick off our vision series next week. So just... just to know that sometimes some of you lose something more significant than your wallet or your glasses on your face. Sometimes you lose momentum in your spiritual journey. Some of you have lost a spiritual sense that your life is purposeful, that God is active, that he's calling you into something greater, that your life actually is a representation of God's work on the earth, that the kingdom of heaven is now indwelling you and the world around you is experiencing greater engagement with God because of you. You may have lost that sense. You may have lost the passion that you once felt in your spiritual life. You may have lost the joy, and, and it just seems like forever since you felt really excited about anything spiritually. Maybe you've lost some of your faith or your hope just because of the way the world is going. Well, today, as we wrap up our series on Elisha. I'm praying that this would be the day that some of you have a reawakening and a reconnection as you rediscover what you feel like you may have lost. So quick review. From the story of Elisha, <clears throat> we've covered the area where he gets called by God. He first comes into this experience because there's a prophet in the land named Elijah. Elijah is the prophet among all prophets, and he was known throughout history in the Jewish world as the great prophet. Some saw him as the predecessor to the Messiah, the coming reign of God in the world that he would bring, and they saw this was one of those kinds of guys. He was that important. As a matter of fact, every time we talk about Elijah, Elisha, the series we're in, somebody mistakenly says Elijah, because Elijah is the common one we go to. He's the most known prophet. But what we started with is Elisha actually came after Elijah. He was his uh, understudy. He was his apprentice. And what Elisha asked of God was that God would give him a double portion of what his master, what Elijah had. God, I want what you gave him, but I want twice as much. He was not asking too much, right? But it's interesting that we find that Elisha has exactly twice as many miracles recorded in the text as Elijah, that God answered his request. And so the study we've been going in, we started where Elisha first receives his call, and what does he do? He takes the plow, he's a farmer, he's plowing with his ox and his, and his you know, equipment, 
He stops, he sacrifices them, and he burns the plowing equipment as a, as a statement that I'm never going back. Once I'm all in with God, I'm never going back. I'm in. So we talked about how burning the plow of our life oftentimes can be a saying no to the things that were actually destructive and former ways of living that brought us less of a life than God intended. As a matter of fact, they put us at odds with God. Then we talked about digging ditches and how there was a season where the drought had gotten so bad that the land was absolutely barren and people were dying of no water and that Elisha comes on the scene and he said, God tells you to dig ditches, ditches everywhere. Because God wants to do a miracle, and sure enough, God filled the reservoirs, all the ditches with water, and God teaches us that we can partner with him, but he always wants our hands in this as an investment. He wants to work with us. He wants to be in it with us. And we watched, as the, Robert shared this great message about the widow who had run out of income, her husband had died, and she was about to be you know, taken to court, have her children taken away because she couldn't afford to pay her debts. And she goes to the prophet, and the prophet says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Go gather every jar you can find. Get them from anyone everywhere and come back, and we're going to see what God would do. And sure enough, God reproduced the oil. As long as she had jars, God kept filling them. And our story, again, is when we trust God and we open our lives to him, he fills what we give him. He wants us to be in it with him. And then last week, we talked about this guy who had to come to God with his disease and he had to humble himself. He's a very proud man, but he humbled himself. And we learned that when we actually humble ourselves and through obedience take the next step God is telling us to do, that we actually see the work of God alive in our lives. And so today, <clears throat> one of the most unusual miracles of all in the Bible, it seems like it, there's no, it doesn't really have a point, doesn't really have a purpose. You think about Elisha's other miracles. I mean, this is the guy who took poison water and turned it into good drinking water. This is a guy who literally raised a dead kid from the dead. This is the guy who actually, as we saw former week, he, he was a man who healed somebody of leprosy. He made a miraculous, you know, provision of oil for a widow. And in the story that follows this one, he actually blinds an entire army just with a word, just a prayer, and the entire army goes blind. This is a miraculous guy but there's this little story wedged in there that seems to have like what's what's the point of this and today we're going to talk about how this random guy encounters elisha random to us and how god intervenes in the story <clears throat> little background <clears throat> doesn't seem like a big deal when you first read about this guy who loses an axe head but then you get the story behind the story and we find out what it means. So what happened was Elisha had reached a point in his ministry where he was doing amazing things. Young men were coming around him to be joined with him in his work. They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. One of the young men that came around him, they decided they needed to grow the, the ministry, the, the ministry school that he was running. So they went out and got axes and they started cutting down lumber to build a bigger place. And one of the kids, one of the young men was chopping and his axe head flew off. He lost it. What we realized, iron was extremely valuable and it was very important. It was one of those life tools that they had to have back in those days. And the most significant thing, it was borrowed. This poor guy 
It was like a kid in Bible college, literally. He was like so poor. He couldn't afford his own axe, and he probably was living on ramen noodles and just, you know, barely making ends meet. And he couldn't afford any of this, and we would basically call him a non-profit prophet. <laughs> anyway, our first observation of the story is this. Our big God cares about small details. Our big God we sang about him, you know, across the universe, all these galaxies and lights in the, in the sky that we don't even understand yet. We can't even get to the ends of our own galaxy to explore, much less the galaxies beyond, and there are billions of them. This great big God cares about the details, the little things in your life. Somebody showed, showed up with a headache this morning, and, and, the, and the music just made it worse, sorry. But listen, God cares about the details. Somebody's stressing over a test that you've got to take soon or a, a, some, a presentation or something that's going on and you're stressing over what's happening and God cares about the details. As somebody whose car wouldn't start and I just want you to know that that is a thing that matters. God cares about the small details of your life. Somebody maybe lost your glasses and they're right on your face and God's laughing but he cares about the glasses that are lost or the wallet or whatever. God cares about the little things. So let's dive into our story, and let's see some other valuable principles that we can pull out. And, and again, just understanding the context. So Elisha, who was the understudy of Elijah, has now grown in esteem so much that in Israel and Judah, people are flocking to be around him. And so he sets up this school, kind of like a rabbinical school, and all these young men start coming, and it starts growing and growing and growing, and they want to be under him. They want to learn. And so he calls this the school of the prophets. He literally sets up a, a school, like a seminary, for, for prophets. Would-be prophets now come to Elisha's school of the prophets. <clears throat> so there were so many of them because they're saying, man, you, you are the, I've seen what you can do. You are the man. Can I study under you? That the school starts blowing up and expanding, and they don't have room for everybody. So that's where we pick up this study in the school this morning is 2 Kings chapter 6, we'll be in verse 2, which reads, So the company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet is too small for us, right? Time for a building campaign. So let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to meet. Let's build a place there. In other words, let's move this whole operation down by the waterfront. It would be nice. Let's meet there. And he said, go. And then one of them said, well, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down the trees. Now, here's the action point. Don't miss this. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. So picture this. Here's a young man. He's down by the water, just giving it his best. Chop, 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 chop. And all of a sudden, whoo, Flop. You want me to do that again? It was good sound effects, folks. Just be with me this morning. Okay, so the flying axe, the axe head comes off the, has that ever happened to you? I did it with a sledgehammer once. Whoop. Bad news. This one goes out into the river. Flop. So he yells, oh no, my lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Anybody ever had that sick feeling, borrowed something and broke it? Anyway, the man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Let me say it again. He threw a stick in there and made the iron float. 
lift it out, he said. I don't know if you understand what iron is, but it's like this. It's super heavy. And it said, lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now, besides God caring about the little details of our lives, one major point I want you to embrace today, and I'm going to talk about it metaphorically and symbolically. I'm going to connect it to you because I think there's something that somebody here needs desperately today. Here's what I hope you'll see. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. God knows how to help you find something that you didn't mean to lose. As we talk about losing an axe head, losing the edge of our lives, what I want to do is I want to just kind of help you see how some of you may be in that point right now. And the question I have for you today is this. Have you lost your spiritual edge? And you don't have to answer out loud, please don't. But has anybody felt like you've lost your spiritual go, your spiritual passion, your spiritual oomph? There are those of you, and again, I'm talking primarily to Christ followers today. And if you're new to this, new to church, then you're going to appreciate this because you want us to be all about what we believe. You want us to live out what we say we proclaim and what we are preaching. You want us to practice. And so you're going to appreciate this. But hey, Jesus followers, I'm, I'm talking to us those of you who've made that decision to follow Jesus. And I want you to be really honest about this. Have you lost your spiritual edge? And probably some, many, many of you may say, no, no, I'm, I'm as good as I've ever been as far as my passion, my intensity, my decision, my determination, my consistency. I'm all in. I mean, I'm, it's great. <clears throat> can I say I celebrate that with you today? And can I tell you that I am just so proud and that you please continue to walk in that passion because there is a world that is absolutely stunned by the darkness that is encroaching everywhere, and they're looking for lights anywhere. And your light is a significant work that God, your life represents the kingdom of heaven on earth. Live it joyfully, live it loudly, live it beautifully, because people are looking for that. But let me also say, there are those of you who would say, um, yeah, actually, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. And that's a bad thing. I'm not what I once was in a spiritual sense. And I feel a little lost. I feel a little lost. Let me just ask you this next question. How have you lost your spiritual edge? How? For some of you, you recognize maybe that your life used to be about the kingdom of life, about Jesus and his work, and used to be around the church. So whenever there was something going on, you were there. You were in the middle of it. You had a group of people that were around you that felt like they were your brothers and sisters in this life. And you all had faith that shared in common. They just, you grew together, gained strength from each other, encouraged each other, prayed for each other. You even called out each other. You helped raise each other's kids. You helped manage each other's problems. You were in it together. And there was so much life from that. But then at some point, things changed. Somebody started having kids, changed careers. Somebody moved and and for whatever reason, that circle collapsed, and you have not found a new support system in your faith. <clears throat> Some of you, there was a time when you literally felt like you were gifted by God for a reason, and you started using your gifts to serve others. You could serve the poor, or you served here at church, you served children or youth, and you were a part of something, and you felt alive when you did it, and when you used your gifts, you felt like God was smiling on you, and it was like, I feel like I'm a part of something that matters, and for some reason, during some season, change of job, change of life, change of whatever, you stopped 
and you feel like that's been a loss in your life. Maybe for some of you, you were like a prayer person. In my day, they used to call them prayer warriors because they were people who just, like, they took the needs of others and their own life, and they just went to God every day, and it's like, God, here's what I want to come for, and I'm believing in Jesus' name that you're going to work in this person's behalf because you said if we touch anything, heaven and earth, man, you're going to work on our behalf, and you said if it, if it meets your will, then I'm coming because this is all according to your will. People knowing you, people loving you, people being healed by you, I'm, all, I'm praying in faith. Because this lines up with what you're doing in the world. And you prayed, and you prayed, and you just saw results, and yet somehow, somewhere, that fire diminished. Maybe it was that you were, you were really all about the scriptures. Maybe you shared your faith. Maybe it's just like everywhere you went, it seemed like everything connected to Jesus. For some reason, it's like you're having a conversation about somebody's broken car. Yeah, but you know what? I had that, and God, I prayed, and God did this. Maybe it was everything just all roads led back to Jesus for you, and it was just so easy for you to just express that to people, having spiritual conversations, initiating those. And it's not happening anymore. Maybe you had really clear understanding of what the scripture taught about how we're to live and this very challenging generation and and you had very clear convictions because the bible what it said in black and white you were like yeah it's there what it didn't say or what it was ambiguous about you were okay with but just like you knew your value system and you walked in those values and then over time maybe you changed friend circles and some of your friends were like hey come on come on come on it's not a big deal and, and pretty soon you cut a corner you shaved off some of your integrity you went a direction you would never have gone before you did something that brought you to a place where you're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what, what happened to me. That can happen to all of us. Because we have a spiritual enemy. The Bible says that he's, his mission in life is to steal, to kill, and to destroy whatever God loves and whatever God's up to in the world. He's against it. So those of you who were lit a fire, you grabbed his attention. And you could feel like the attack was live. I remember in my faith journey <clears throat> a couple particular times I want to share. Remember when I was first coming to experience Jesus. Now, I grew up in the church, and I, I was alive in the things of God for, for pretty much from a young age. But <clears throat> when I came, our family moved us when I was leaving junior high into high school to a small community called Tulare from a smaller one called Delano. And we basically came into this church. Their youth group was alive. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but it was like, they were together 24-7. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were having such a great work of God in their midst. It was just like, it felt alive. And just to be there felt like, oh, this is so cool. It was the end of the hippie movement, you know, and all the hippie communes and all that were big. Well, we just like kind of made that life. It wasn't living together. We were literally together 24-7. Every spare minute we had, like this, this group was together. And we just were watching and praying and learning and growing. And God was doing such great things in our life. And it transformed me, and I'm like, I became like a little, you know, fireball for Jesus in my high school. I mean, that was one of those times when I got up every morning and spent my hour with Jesus, Jesus before I went to, you know, my sophomore year of high school or whatever. I'm, I'm in there in prayer and reading and, and worship, listening to nothing but Christian music, because that's what we did then. And it was bad. But just saying, I started a Bible study on my high school campus they just gather students around to tell them about the good things of God and what was happening. And I remember taking some of that Christian music. If you guys remember back in the 70s, it was Love Song, Chuck Gerard, and you know, a lot of these guys. And, 
And I remember sneaking the albums into the stack of albums they played over the loudspeakers during lunch and listening when Chuck Gerard came out. I'm like, yes, you know, they, did, they were all getting Christian music whether they wanted it or not. And I'm like, this is so cool until they found it and broke it. But anyway, that fire that I felt that I couldn't wait to tell people about it, writing papers in my English and literature classes that showed them the proof the conviction, the proof of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that helped the people who were reading that, like, hey, wait, this is historical fact. This isn't somebody's faith. This is, his, this is history. I remember just going before my football team and my football games, my baseball games, and my wrestling matches, and just bowing in prayer and having guys start to join me. And I just got a reputation for being something of a Jesus freak. And I loved it. And I remember that Sometime in this whole season that <clears throat> there was this crazy thing that happened where our youth pastor got arrested and accused of child molestation and then actually he went to prison because he was convicted and had been doing some really sick things behind the scenes. And I remember how the group that was going 100 miles an hour all of a sudden just the brakes went and the wheels fell off and it was just like skid marks and bodies everywhere. People are just like devastated. The reputation that we had as being the life in the community was overnight turned to shame. And I remember that as I was in a spin out for a season of my life, things got really dark and I'm just like, God, I don't understand. And I questioned everybody and everything that I ever believed. For a long season, I was kind of lost. And I remember how God helped me get my legs back under me and over time I realized God is good even if the world is sick, even if everybody else is broken, God still has a plan and we're just regular humans with all of our weaknesses and frailties and, and really evil things dwell in us so Jesus still is worthy of praise and he really is God and there is going to be a day of judgment so he'll figure all that out in that day but for now I'm going to live for him I went back to school, became a pastor, and we started ministry. And sure enough, I said, if somebody could do this so badly, I'm going to help because I saw what the effects could be when it was done well. So I'm going to be a youth pastor, but we're going to do this one right. Sure enough, we had youth ministry that we just, it just exploded. We had a great run. It was so good. But I realized that I took on a lot of those unhealthy patterns. And this, the next time this, this kind of, I lost my spiritual edge was when I realized I was going so hard and so fast, spending my days, nights, and weekends, holidays, birthdays, whatever, all about the students, all about the ministry, all about the togetherness and all this, and I was not taking care of myself at all. I remember when the wheels came off and I was in the doctor's office and he said, you've got to change something, you're going to die, you can't live this way, you have bleeding ulcers, you have, your esophagus is just destroyed, you're not sleeping, you're, you're stressed too much, you're going to have to make a change. I made some adjustments, and then I went right back at it, and I became a senior pastor. We started, you know, uh, this whole transition to become Journey Church, and a whole lot of things happened. It was a really challenging season in our life, and, and honestly, it's led me to a point where, to be really honest, <clears throat> I got so lost in doing for God that I rarely had time to be with God. I, I made the classic mistake, Bill Hybels, one of a, my distance spiritual mentors said the way I was doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me and I rarely took time to be still I rarely took time to rest I rarely took time just to get my breath and to say God what does it mean to be a child walking in the grace rhythms of the kingdom how does a person do that 
How does a person not have mini miniature spiritual highs like, hey, you hear a fiery sermon, it's like, woo, everybody's charged up, a lot of hype, a lot of movies, you know, I mean, a music, a lot of this energy, and then you go home to your messed up life and continue that there, and it's like, I don't want a once in a while high. I'm over that. I don't want just a crowd of people listening to talks and singing songs. I want to see the kingdom of heaven on earth as you intended when you came. When you said the kingdom is now here, I want to see that. I want to see what it looks like when a group of people make a commitment <clears throat> to be passionate about you, whether they feel it or not. People who pray, whether they feel it, who read, who study, who continue to walk, who learn to live in a community where they practice the rhythms of grace, the rhythms of living under the pres and in the presence of Jesus. I want to learn that. Folks, that's the journey I've been on, and that's the one that I'm trying to figure out again. I don't have a lot of models for this. I'm not saying everybody's doing it wrong. I'm just saying that what was happening has not always been satisfying to the deeper parts of me. So I'm learning a whole new rhythm of life that includes rest. Go figure. Never been good at that. Still can't sleep, but I'm just trying. God is helping me heal from a lot of that. But this is what I discovered, <clears throat> that it's possible to be a full-time pastor and a part-time follower of Jesus. I've seen it all too often. It's possible to put the ministry before the actual relationship and lose your heart. It's possible to be a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Jesus when your priorities get that way. It's possible, I see it all the time, for you to be a full-time business person and a part-time follower of Jesus, a full-time student, part-time follower of Jesus, a full-time whatever. When you lose your spiritual edge, you need to look at what's your leading passion. Not what you feel excited or feel towards, but what your life is aiming and set up towards. If how you have arranged your life so that what is most important is fed the most is getting the attention. If your spiritual life is not growing, something else is getting the attention. So I'm just saying, <clears throat> my season has come to a place where we're going to go into a whole new series. We're starting next week, our vision series. We talk about the way. And it's just a simple series of talking about what does it mean when we seriously say, I want to walk in the way of Jesus. I want to be, a, I want to be an apprentice to Jesus. I want to learn what it looks like when we walk in the rhythms of grace as a community. And all the other stuff is important. I care about the music quality. I care about everybody's encountering, you know, having a good experience here. But this well, this is just going to be kind of a no-frills kind of experience where we're just going to talk, then we're going to share around tables, pray for each other, and just learn to be the people of God again. That's where we're headed. <coughs> Some of you <coughs> need this worse than I do. What do you do when you're swinging away at life, going full bore, and then the edge flies off? What do you do? How do you get your edge back? First of all, a couple, just a couple things to close with. One, you got to be honest about where you lost it. You got to be honest where you lost it. Verse 6, chapter 6. The man of God asked, where did it fall? Where'd you lose it, bud? The axe head isn't gone. It's just wherever you lost it. <clears throat> so where did you lose it? Where did you start to lose your spiritual edge, your momentum? You're smart people. I mean, you can look back in your life and you can, you can realize that, hey, I was, things were going great until, until. And you could put the until. And, and it's real stuff. It's not just 
insignificant. I had a child, had a change of careers, I had a marriage or I had this thing that happened to me, I had a problem, had a health issue. I remember when I took a wrong turn with some friends, I, I made a decision at a party. I, I remember when I stopped the spiritual momentum disciplines. I, I remember. <clears throat> some of you, it's because of a secret that just kind of got, it just got carried away and the guilt and the shame has kept you away. I'm telling you, this is so important. Maybe you even blame God because of the church that you go to changed something. <clears throat> the people changed something. The pastor was a weirdo, like, you know, he, he wears jeans and Hawaiian shirts and stuff instead of a suit. I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe you have found a reason to, to roll back your passion and direction. It's like, I can't trust people. You're right. Can I just be honest? Everybody's a, just a person. We're all just regular people just trying at different levels to move our agenda and praying that this agenda that I have is not mine. I'm praying that the agenda I have is truly what Jesus said, that they may know you, that they may know you. That's my agenda. <clears throat> and I'm just saying that the life groups and all those kinds of things, and you had them, maybe you don't have it now. What was it that caused you? Where did you lose your edge? <clears throat> and the next this is powerful. With God's help, it's time to take back what you lost. It's time to take it back. With God's help, man, you can reclaim that thing. Our God specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. Verse 7, <clears throat> 6 and 7. He showed him the place. Elisha cut a stick, threw it there, and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Lift it out, Elisha said. <clears throat> Folks, with God's help, this is your season to lift it out. Lift your life back out of that rut. Lift your mind back out of that pit. Lift your eyes back to the one who gave you life. It's time to lift it out. With God's help, take back what you lost. Remember a couple weeks ago we studied ditches. Only God can send the water, but he asks you to dig the ditch. What about the oil? Only God can provide the oil, but he asks you to collect the jars. What about Naaman? Only God can heal the sickness in, inside of us, but he asks you to get in there and dip in whatever he's called. Get in his presence to be obedient in the small things. The moment you start thinking, maybe I can get it back. I, I'm, I'm hoping again. I'm believing again. There's going to be a voice in the back of your head. The evil one's going to start saying, no, you can't. No, you've gone too far. You've done too much. You're, you're too far gone. But let me just tell you, with God, it's not too late to become the person you've always wanted to be. It's not too late. It's not too late to get back what you thought you could never have again. It's not too late to have the life that you feel like God has put before you and said, this is the life I want for you. But for some reason, you've been sidelined. It's not too late to have what you used to have or have even more. Haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than your stain, your sin, your failures, your background, your baggage. It's more powerful than all of that. You can get it back. The spiritual edge to your life, the spiritual edge. <clears throat> Our God specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. So what does he want you to do next? What's your next step? Here's what you do. You do what you can do and trust God to do what you cannot do. Can, can you make an iron axe head float? No. But you can reach out and grab what he brings within reach. 
Can you lift yourself out of depression? No. <clears throat> Maybe you can't, but you can move in the direction of what a piece of wisdom somebody gives you, an open door for some counseling, some care, some, a change of ways of thinking. You can step in the direction. You can reach out and grab what he puts in, within reach. You can, can you create spiritual passion and faith? I, I can't do that. But we do know faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. And the more time I'm in it, the more I understand His ways, and the more I get excited about it, my faith grows. The more time I pray, the more time I see answers to prayer, and I realize that God is real, and this thing is the best thing in the world. I can choose to worship even when I don't feel like it. I can choose to pray. I can choose to share my faith when people need to hear the hope of the world in me. You can search for God again, and you will find Him. The Bible says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search me with all your heart. Seek and you will find. Ask, you know, knock, ask, seek, that whole thing. Jesus said, I want you to have this. Lift it out. Grab it. Revelations 2, 4 and 5, Jesus is speaking to the church. And he said there's a season in life when all of us reach a place where we lose where we were. We lose what we cared about, the passion that was there. He says, you've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen, then do what? Repent, he says. In other words, turn around. Repenting means I was going this way. I changed my mind. I changed my direction. I go this way. Change your mind. Re turn back and do the thing you did at first. You want a great marriage? Then come back to the places you were when you sparked that love in the first place. You want a great relationship with God? Then go back to that place where you first encountered and felt like it was alive and Continue to do those things that make love alive in you. If you do what you once did, you can have what you once had, and that was my story. <clears throat> that is becoming my story. My story continues. So does yours. As we close today, as the band comes, as they can, you know, get ready to wrap us up in, in a worship song, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you who feel like, man, I had this spiritual moment, momentum or I want to have spiritual momentum. Maybe you never had it, but you want to have an encounter with God that's real and lasting. You don't want just another high. You don't need another hype sermon. You don't need another flashing light to help you understand that God loves you. What you need is a sustainable way of living in the rhythms of grace in a community of support where people are following Jesus, where they take seriously you and your spiritual life. And that's what I pray we are. We are becoming. And I want to pray for you that you decide to grab whatever it is God puts within reach for your next step. Maybe it's the Wednesday nights. <clears throat> maybe it's a life group. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's whatever. But I'm going to pray that you would see it, grab it, and that the days ahead will be better than the days behind because we serve a God who specializes in helping people find what they didn't mean to lose. Let's pray. God, as we close out our series, I'm so excited about thing that you're doing and have been doing over the last year and a half, two years, right here in our church. We've had our seasons of disappointment. We've had our seasons of change. We've seen folks come and go. We've seen buildings, you know, this and that. We've, <clears throat> but, but God, what we have yet to see is what it looks like to live in sustained rhythms of your grace, to live as people of the kingdom together in a way that really impacts our lives and community. We want to see that more than ever. You can bring the people or not, but what we want to do, Lord God, is commit our whole selves to you. We want to burn the plow and go all in with you. We want to dig the ditches and prepare for the rain. We want to see what you'll do when we anticipate and pray and ask for you to work.
We want to bring as many jars as we can find because we know that the oil, the miracle comes to those who anticipate it and are prepared. We want to prepare ourselves for your work, oh God. And, and we want to just take the next step to grab, the whole, grab a hold of whatever it is you've placed before us to, to regain what we thought we'd lost. I pray today for everyone here who's feeling that. And if that's you, I want you just to pray between you and God, make us a prayer of total surrender that, God, whatever it has been, whatever it was, <clears throat> whatever has happened, I confess my part, whatever I did, that was somehow caused me to, to lose my edge. I confess it, and I ask you, forgive me, and help me to, re to reheal, renew, to return, repent. And God, for the things that are out of my control that have hurt me, I ask you to heal me and ask, ask you to give me the courage to move forward. For the disappointments and the, and the challenges and the trials, God, I pray that you would give me courage and strength to, to sustain me as I go through them because I want to see what you have in mind when I give you my whole life. I'm yours, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to worship together before we leave, and let's head out of here and reclaim that. Let's sing.
God, that when we are in the fire, we have someone to stand there with us, God. God, we thank you for all that you're doing, for all that you're going to continue to do in the life of this church and in the life of your people, Father God. I thank you for every single person that you brought here this morning. I pray that everyone would leave refreshed, God. They would feel a little bit more alive. God, and that we would all find our spiritual edge again. God, we thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. We love you guys so much. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday morning.